1: Content warning. Check the show notes for more information. It's June 16th, 1982. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca and Ali. The Retrospectors.
0: So it was on this day that the official monster raving loony party was formed by Screaming Lord Such and one of his mates, Alan Hope, who was one of his backup singers. Howling Lord Hope. Yeah, actually. And it was over beers at the Golden Lion in Ashburton in Devon. And the two of them came up with this new political party. But it wasn't actually the first time that Lord Such, whose real name is David Such, had ever run for office of any kind.
1: Yeah, he actually ran for the funky sounding National Teenager Party. In the 1960s, even though... That, he, to be
2: fair, that would have been cool in 1960s. That would have been so groovy. Yeah, I mean, groovy. he was
1: 26 at the time, which I think would be looked upon less fondly now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he was a, a rock singer. He was kind of a forerunner of the, the shock rock Era, he would dress up in horror inspired costumes, etc. And his big hit was the song Jack the Ripper. He stood for the National Teenage Party, which sounds kind of stupid, but actually wasn't stupid because their main thrust was that the voting age should be lowered from 21, which it later was. So they were making a good point.
2: We don't have a control sample, do we? So we don't know what would have happened if he hadn't stood against Harold Wilson in 1966 and won <laughs> 585 votes. But at least he was in a room with the Prime Minister then saying, look, 585 people are prepared to vote for me to say that the voting age should be lowered to 18. And when you think about it, like, why would you, age 21, vote for that as your main concern? You're already out of that
0: age group so actually it might have been quite a powerful statement it was just in the wake of the Profumo affair which was the great political sex scandal of the age and what he said was if the politicians are going to be acting like teenagers then how dare we not allow teenagers to have the vote and this sort of underpins quite a lot about what goes on to be his future party the monster raving loony party which is that they kind of wrap a real serious point in something that's satirical or funny mm. or often not very funny and quite a lot of the policies that they advocated for ended up becoming law yeah
2: so he campaigned for commercial radio for the all-day opening of pubs and for passports
0: for pets Mm -hmm. all of
2: which sounded like comedy policies obviously (laughs) at some point
0: (laughs) but are now British law I I had a look at their uh, manifesto online and if I could just run a couple past you Mm. they say that capital punishment will be opposed on the grounds that it's unfair to Londoners Ah. Job seekers will be made to stand too abreast in order to halve doll cues. Puddles deeper than three inches will be marked by a yellow plastic duck.
1: Guys, you know what this is, though, don't you? These these policies are a meme that old people would share on a local Facebook group.
2: (laughs) Yes, it is a vote for an anti-establishment party.
0: And so it sort of doesn't matter what they really stand for. Agreed. And and actually, it's sort of paved the way for one of the real joys of contemporary British politics, which is that often you have, if not the Prime Minister, then any minister or even MP standing in front of Elmo or a guy calling himself Count Binhead or, you know, like these absolute (laughs) absurd candidates who the actual establishment have to stand next to. It's great. Were you aware of
2: that growing up in Australia? And do
0: they have that in Australia? We don't really. I mean, you do have crazy parties, but they usually... <laughs> but they mean it. But they do mean <laughs> it, yeah. They, they really do have that view about immigration, There's absurd as it is or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, there are crazy parties, but not the sort of dress-up on the day of the dress election. Up is the
2: right phrase. Because yeah. like the 1970s dress-up costume of the Monster Raving Loony Party, the badges, the oversized hat, the velvet coat, it's a right. very <laughs> particular kind of West Country eccentric, isn't it, Rebecca, that's being represented on an international stage there, standing behind the candidate for prime minister.
1: The visual of it is a more powerful satire of the system than any of the policies. Because when you look at the the policies, the jokes are a bit weak, aren't they? Mm. It's always a bit, you know, they're a bit silly and it's not really, it's not like razor sharp political satire going on but when you see the image of all the politicians standing up there in their ties with their rosettes and you've got the guy with the gigantic brightly colored top hat or you know a bin over his head i think it (laughs) says more without saying anything than all of the the loony policies
2: actually doesn't it reinforce that britain is a true democracy where anyone can set up a political party no matter how ridiculous i say anyone you've got to raise 500 quid haven't you but you know anyone can stand for election on policies they believe in That looks to the whole world, I think, like a true democracy, doesn't it? And it really sort of underlies something about the British sense of humour as well and tolerance for fools, basically. Mm. And I think, you know, because it's often the case that they're standing against the person who's trying to be re-elected as prime minister. When you see the person, the candidate who's going to lead the country, not laughing not acknowledging them (laughs) that tells you a lot that is quite revealing I mean I remember Theresa May the candidate for the Monster Raving Looney Party who was Lord Hope at that point because Lord Such had died trying to give her a Monster Raving Looney badge and she just would not take it she would not (laughs) engage with him and she just found his whole presence just
0: so demeaning of you know what it meant and the value she stood for I liked that Lord Buckethead campaigned against Theresa May, offering uh, strong but not very stable leadership. <laughs> you know, there were just some good simple gags out there to be had, and such made room for them.
2: I actually, in 1997, did buy a copy of the Monster Raving Loony Party Manifesto, which I still have. How much? Uh, £3.99 and then it says in brackets underneath, no deposit. I think that's quite funny (laughs) political (laughs) gag Um, (laughs) uh, and it says in there sort of quasi-seriously remember what we propose today the others will be copying tomorrow Um, so I had to look through with that in mind because I was thinking well obviously we're more than 20 years on from this now, how much of this has actually come true. One of their proposals was a minimum wage fixed at 100% of MPs' salaries it's Mm obvious what the joke is there but actually, since 1997, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Prime Minister's salary has now become the benchmark, hasn't it, that people judge public sector jobs by? Like That's yeah. a thing that people do talk about. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he also suggested Bob Geldof as Minister for Overseas Development, which, yep, again... Came to be his position. <laughs> yeah. So in 2005, Bob Geldof was appointed by the Tory party to advise him on global poverty. <laughs> yeah. uh, and obviously in 1997... You know, why did that seem a joke? Because actually, Bob Geldof's qualifications were the same. He'd been working with Live Aid for a decade. The difference was, in 1997, I guess, Lord Such saw Bob Geldof as like a post-punk rocker that he could relate to because they both came from a kind of anti-establishment wing of music. Mm. And actually now, that like that kind of culture is culture, isn't it? Like well, That yeah. distinction's gone.
1: And also, I think the idea then of a pop star or a rock star becoming involved in politics and being given you know, a political position did seem more absurd than it does now when you've got people like Angelina J. Lee at the UN right. and everything mm-hmm. exactly like,
2: that's kind of the joke isn't it like Screaming Lord Such the guy who used to sing the weird song about Jack the Ripper he's standing for parliament that in itself is funny yeah. And that now yeah. doesn't seem like that unlikely, does it, that someone who was in a rock band 30 years ago would be standing for Prime Minister?
1: In his political career as a perennial candidate, which, by the way, there is a page on Wikipedia for that if you're interested in other perennial candidates. Mm. Lord Such contested 40 elections in his political career. Uh, he did lose his deposit on all of them, although he came very close to not losing it in, the, in 1994 at the Rotherham by election, where he won 4.2% of the vote and came fourth out of five candidates.
2: Impressive. Who came last?
1: It was the Natural Law Party.
2: They're the ones who did the floating, aren't they?
1: They were founded on the principles of transcendental meditation. So yes, Ah, you could call them the The ones who did the floating. The funny floating video, yes. Yogic
2: flying. They were great. (laughs) It must have actually been pretty exhausting traversing the country, though, standing in endless by-elections. I mean, it's funny when you watch the clip on the news.
0: It's not funny when you have to travel there, campaign, and then be there on the night for hours. And also maybe a little bit depressing to kind of lose every single time. And so much so that apparently Mm. he used to have his victory party on the night before the election with all of his friends, um, because (laughs) they sort of knew in advance what the result was going to (laughs) be. It was also
2: strangely and sadly on this day, 16th of June in 1999, that Screaming Lord Such died. Um, He committed suicide. I don't know whether he knew that it was the same day that 17 years earlier he'd actually founded the party. His body was discovered by his partner and it tells you something about the man that she thought he was playing a prank on her. She actually took a picture of his body, Mm. she told the press later, because she thought it was a joke before she realised he was dead.
0: Gosh, that is sad.
2: The impact that he'd had, though, was obviously felt by all the obituaries that came out when he died. I mean, he really was Mm. a national figure. And what I find quite amusing is that it's now just a given that his name is Screaming Lord Such when, you know... Like Dr. Dre or Professor Green. That was right. an entirely self-inflicted <laughs> title. Like no one ever gave him that. But he's just, it's, you'd think he could be a lord, couldn't you? Yeah, so
0: much so that when I came to the country and, and became familiar with his name in the way that you do bit by bit... I had imagined him as a sort of an eccentric aristocrat right. rather than a, yeah. a you know a sort of self-made deed poll name-changed kind of guy. But yeah, it sort of inhabited his identity. The
2: option's still open to you, Arian. <laughs> if you want to be Lord McNichol,
0: <laughs> you can do it. Screaming Baron Arian, I reckon.
2: <laughs> Tomorrow. Women waved their handkerchiefs and men shouted
0: hurrah. The only two appropriate responses. <laughs> Love the show? Follow the
1: show wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.